What's up, Move Nation? This is Jonathan coming to you from Move Remote HQ. And I just finished my conversation with Trista Highfill. If you're not familiar with who she is, she is many things, including a mom and a wife and a coach at our gym and an athlete. We just had a great conversation regarding how she started at CrossFit, which was just eight weeks after giving birth to her fourth child, what her training and her mindset were leading up to discovering that she had cancer and what the treatment was like after that. Then we discussed a little bit about what it's like to be a coach, and she gives us her thoughts on coaching women and helping them find their true strength. So this was just a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy it. So take a listen. I'm going to take you back to an early 2012. Uh-huh. Okay, early 2012. And your dear husband has been coming home from his newfound gym, sweaty, <laughs> spouting weird things like wads and snatches <laughs> and paleo. Uh, and for some reason, he's like chalking his fork at dinner. <laughs> chalking everything. <laughs> and I'm wondering what is going through your head uh, at this moment when uh, Shuck is just finding out about CrossFit and CFED and MOVE. You know, Shuck was immediately smitten. Just absolutely loved it from day one. Um, and I was so thankful. Um, so I had been running by that point for several years and had been trying to get him to go run with me, to do anything with me. Um, I had started taking classes at the YMCA and um, working out in various ways. And he was very unhappy. He had spent a lot of time on the road, a lot of time traveling. He sits down in front of a computer all the time. And he was somebody who had been in sports you know, all through high school and in college playing sports. And then... You know, you know, after that, he gets into his desk job and he just feels sluggish and fat and tired and all of that and weak and didn't like running. I mean, he would go to the Y, this is how desperate I was. I would talk him into going to the YMCA with me and he'd be in a class and taking like a, a quote unquote ladies class. You know, mm -hmm. there's just women in the room. It was Susan's class. Susan right. Fantastic. Um, and he would he would go do those classes with me just because I wanted him to work out so bad. So when he found it, I was so incredibly happy for him that he had found something that he liked so much. What motivated you to sign up? Oh, he did, 100%. He kept telling me, you are going to love this. And I think really his... I think he was coming at it now that I look back on it from a very selfish place. It didn't sound selfish at the time. It sounded like he really thought that I would love it, but really he wanted to talk about it so much all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he needed me to, he needed me to be a part of it because he wanted to talk to me about it. He wanted uh -huh. me to understand it. Um, and even now when I've had to take breaks from the gym for a prolonged period of time, he gets very frustrated that I'm not available to talk to him about the workout that we did that day. Um, and so, but he came about it saying, you would really, really love this. I know you would. Come on, you've got to try it. And, um, and I was happy with what I was doing before. Uh, so it was, it was a hard sell for me, but he was just so excited and um, was talking about the people so much, which was something a little bit different. I've been going to the YMCA for years, 
but I didn't know the people in my classes. Um, I knew the instructor, but I didn't know anybody else. And I'd see their faces every single week. We just didn't talk that way. That wasn't something that we did. And so um, this was something different where he would come back talking about all the people that he had met, the conversations they had and, you know, and all of that. And that was, that was interesting to me. So he talked me into joining up. I had just had Ella. I think Ella was eight weeks old when I went to my first wow. class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, by that time I'd already been running for a couple of weeks. Um, back on it, you know, it made him buy me this massive, wonderful jogging stroller. Cause it was like, I'm going to do, you know, get back in shape. I'm going to really get back in shape. Um, I had issues with my iron levels the entire time I was pregnant with Ellis. So I couldn't work out at all, uh, while I was pregnant. And so I was really ready to get back and moving. So he hit me, I think at the right time to get started again. What was your fundamentals like, or what was your onboarding process like when you joined, if you remember? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember at that time we had group fundamentals. So, uh, there were anywhere from five to I think nine people in a fundamentals class at a time. So it was several days a week for a couple of weeks where you'd come in and, and you'd go through different movements and then you'd have a short workout at the end of it. And, um, I don't, it, you know, it's funny. I don't remember a lot of the people in my fundamentals group, except for, two younger kids that were in college and um, they were just so eager and excited and had so much energy. And here I am, I'm this new mom, uh, the fourth kid by this time. And I was just exhausted. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was just killing me. And, um, and I was just, you know, so they, they kind of stuck in my mind because you can't help but compare yourself to the people that you see. And I'm like, oh, well, they're brand new to this too. But we were coming from entirely, entirely different worlds. Uh, and so it was, you know, it was tough to get out of that space mentally, I think a little bit. But it was really great to have these people that were going through the same things that you were uh, at the same time. Were you scared or were you energetic uh, about it or enthusiastic or... or- I wasn't scared at all because I had been working out for a long time and I, you know, I felt pretty confident in what my abilities were, but I will say that I did not fall in love. I did not (laughs) fall in love. You know, I was not smitten um, like he was. It took me a long time to, you know, luckily I had him at home to encourage me. um, And I think that's where I really got this benefit of having somebody that, you know, was, was, aware of what I was capable of, but it can be, especially I think for women, it can be very disheartening, um, to feel, you know, put yourself in a vulnerable position like that. And I think you do a little bit when you're at CrossFit, especially if you're a person like me, who's used to just going out there and giving it my all. And when my all seems puny compared to at the time, what it seemed like everybody around me, everybody was faster. Everybody was stronger. Um, everybody was doing these movements I couldn't even dream about doing. And it, it was, um, it was definitely disheartening, um, at a certain extent to have to go through that. And, and so you kind of have to get over your own ego and it just takes some time. (laughs) It definitely took me longer than it took him. He was ready to jump in, but I had never done, I'd never been a participant in group sports in any way. So being around these other people who were watching me, do things, or at least that's how I felt. I felt like I was being watched and everybody knew 
because we use a whiteboard. Everybody knew what I did on the workout that day. And at the time, I saw it as a tool for comparison um, between me and other people instead of the way that I look at it, I think, now, which is a, a tool for myself to get better. So um, all of that is kind of a process for some people. And I see it now as a coach. I see that with, with people having to go through that own process with themselves and that you do have to get over this sense of what I could be doing or what I should be doing. That was tough for me. I think we have similar uh, ideas about when we started because yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to get into it. I was coming from a different background, but I mean, I was, I always considered myself naturally athletic and uh, I would do these CrossFit workouts and I would go out too hard and then I'd end up dying on the floor in like one minute and I would give up on a workout for five minutes and then I'd get back at it and do it again. And just, this was my process. Yes. It was honestly like a year and a half into it of knowing what CrossFit was and doing CrossFit before I was ready to be committed to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, know, definitely. So. I remember coming home and crying mm. and sobbing, being very upset and, and being very frustrated and, you know, talking to, to Shaq and being like, why do people do this to themselves? Why is this a thing? Um, and, you know, it, part of that was just pushing myself further than I was really ready to push myself. Um, and the other, like I said, it really was for me just ego. I mean, I hate to, to say it. And it's not like I thought that I was that spectacular, but you just don't realize how much that perfectionist in you keeps you from challenging yourself in a way where you know you're going to be humbled. I'm going to be humbled every single time I go to the gym by somebody. And you have to be, you know, and back then it was by everybody at the gym, it felt like. Um, and so you have to be able to put yourself in that vulnerable position. And that was a really hard sell for me. Um, I mean, I'm glad that I stuck through it uh, and, uh, you know, so glad. But that was that's a hard position to be in, to be in that position of humility. Um, it, you know, but being in that position of humility, I think that's what lends itself to growth, or at least it did for me. Huge growth. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like uh, every day you come into the gym, you're you're just looking at a mirror, you know, and it's like, this is exactly who you are in this moment, every workout you get, and you can't fake it. It's right there in front of you. Right, so. right, right. Of course, when I did start to, I will say that I was extremely hormonal breastfeeding, <laughs> um, not getting a lot of sleep. I remember breastfeeding in the middle of the night and looking at my phone because uh, I still didn't know all the workouts and you'd post the workouts like at three o'clock in the morning. So I would see them at that time and I'd be on my phone breastfeeding looking at, oh my gosh, I wonder what toaster bar is and, and looking at videos online of what the different movements were trying to. So, um, so I was definitely into it and engaged. It was just, there was so much else going on that it was, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough transition. So when you started, you were post baby. Right. So you had to go through the challenges of being a mom of four. Yeah. And I still getting to the gym and working on yourself. How did you navigate that? How did you find time to actually get your workouts in and take care of a newborn and the other three kids? Right. Um, you know, I get that question a lot of how do you find time? And, uh, you know, it's always, it always cracks me up a little bit because it's not like there's some magic box where you just, oh, there it is. It was just waiting for me to get it. Um, I, I have always and, and always will kind of transition my life around the opportunity to be able to work out. 
Um, even when we bought our first house, when I was pregnant with my first kid, we bought a house that I could walk out of the front door and go running. I was like, I need a sidewalk in front of my house so I can go running. Um, and it, you know, it's gotta be next to a YMCA. So those were part of the discussions that we had when we did, decided what neighborhood we wanted to live in, uh, was that I had to go out, be able to go out to the front door and, and run at the time. I wanted to be able to go to the YMCA cause they had free childcare. Um, all of that stuff kind of went in together and this was no different. It was how do we organize our, our day around making this happen. And, you know, I had to get a babysitter for when, uh, if, if Mike and I weren't wanted to go to the gym together, um, or he, I'd have to go when he could watch the baby, um, and the other kids, or we'd bring them with us and, you know, the baby'd be in a stroller. And a lot of people do that now. And, you know, I see that now and it brings me back and I've got pictures of Ella as a toddler, um, playing in tires and right. I have pictures of, you know, the rest of my kids at, uh, doing kids CrossFit when they were itty bitty. Uh, and it's, you know, kind of saying the one thing that I liked about it is that the entire family was kind of a, a part of it. And so the, you know, we, we scrambled and there were days that I missed cause I couldn't make it all work. And it was just, that was just a priority that I had was, getting in shape and being in shape. And, and if it's a priority, then you just find a way to do it. Uh, I wish that there was some magical plan, but each person's life and experiences are so different what they can and cannot do. Um, that, you know, I've, I've tried that before to make suggestions for people. Well, have you thought about this? And there's always a reason why that specific thing can't happen. Um, so I think each person just has to say, okay, on the list of priorities that I have, where does this fall? And if it's high up, then you, you kind of just make it happen. But Juggling for me meant that everybody knew that that was a part of our lives. And it still is today. So juggling, it's, it's not, oh, I'll do this if I've got time. It's, right. oh, I've got on my list of things to do today. This is one of them. So how do I make it happen? Yeah, it's not like you've figured out how to make it work. It's just you make it work on a day-to-day -day yes. basis. You force it. And some days it feels like you're forcing it. And those days are tough. But... Um, but that's how I've kind of set up my life in, in terms of priorities, that that's one of them. So that's what we do. And some days it works out and it's fantastic and it's smooth and, and you can go like that for weeks and then you hit a roadblock and okay, these next couple of weeks are going to be tough or a kid gets sick or, um, or there's field trips that you want to go on to, or there, you know, there's all of these things to do. So sometimes it might be in the driveway uh, with some dumbbells for that day and it's not getting into the gym, but it's something to keep you going until you can get back in there and make it happen. So you've been doing this for eight years. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Obviously, you've had to have seen some changes. I mean, you're sticking with it. What is something that motivates you now to keep with it? Um, so when I think about what motivates me now, there's a couple of things. So vanity is still there. I still like to look a certain way. Um, so I won't pretend that I don't because I do. And, and when I, you know, everything's cyclical. I, I feel like at least in my life where you go through periods where you're working out hard and you're really getting in shape and you're getting fit and all of this. And then, you know, you hit like the week of Christmas and you're like, I just want to be a sloth and eat everything in sight and not work out. But, um, but over the course of a year and, you know, and, and you've got eight years of it and over the course of a year, it's more of the working out, eating right, you know, staying healthy, all of that good stuff. That's kind of where, where I tend to land 
kind of overall on the trajectory. And I think that, um, you know, I said all that and now I forgot where I'm going with this. <laughs> Your motivation day to day now. Or... So, so that's part of it. Uh, but the thing that motivates me really on a day to day basis, I like to go in and I see my friends. My people are at the gym, the people that I care about, who, who I feel like care about me. I got in a car wreck not that long ago. Somebody hit me when I was picking up my kids from school, you know, a block from my house. And this, you know, first person I call is my husband. The second person I call is from but somebody from the gym. I'm like, <laughs> okay, 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 you know, that sort of thing. If I need tools, I'm calling people from the, you know, all of those things. I don't have family close by. Uh, we don't have a, a you know, a community that we're connected to other than the gym. And it's been fantastic because those are my people, people that I have in common or things in common with. So community is definitely a big one. And then health, which I'm sure we'll get into some health issues here during our discussion, but sure. health is a big, huge, huge thing for me. Um, staying healthy is not something that I say in kind of that offhanded, oh, I really like to be healthy, but no, I have to be healthy. Uh, that's huge for me. And I find that if I focus on the health bit, the vanity piece of it just kind of falls into it is what I've learned over the course of eight years. If I focus on my health, I will end up looking the way that I want to look, uh, which is kind of, and if I focus on my health, it just so happens that I'm building my community at the same time. So that's the only thing I focus on. It gets me all of these other things that I want as well. Yeah. I think that's interesting that if you live, in the way that you want to live, you become the person that you want to be. Amazing <laughs> <laughs> how that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned health is a big driver for you and you've had, maybe it's more than a health scare. So you are a cancer survivor. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe the process and maybe about when that happened? Yeah. 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 So, uh, in 2013, I was diagnosed with stage four tonsil cancer. Uh, and uh, so that was, you know, a little bit, what was it? Maybe a year and a half after I had started working out at CrossFit. And uh, so my youngest was 18 months old when I started having symptoms that were serious enough for me to explore what was going on. One good thing about being someone who is constantly working out is that you recognize your body. You have you understand when something's wrong, probably much more often than somebody else. Wow, something just doesn't feel right. Uh, in this case, it was first I started getting hives, which were weird. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly allergic to something. Um, and then after that, it was a sore throat and and lymph nodes that were swollen that wouldn't go away. And my doctor actually ended up being somebody from the gym. My primary care physician was a friend of mine from the gym. And she, uh, I told her about the symptoms. And I started with just thinking, oh, I've got strep throat. Went and got a pack from the doctor. Didn't do anything. So uh, my doctor from the gym set me up with an MRI. And from there, it was just kind of this cascade effect that was super fast in uh, getting me with the doctor. And again, it was already, it was 38 years old. Um, it was already stage four by the time we found it and it had probably gone from stage one to stage four just in a matter of months. So, um, it wasn't something that I had lived with for a long time and ignored the symptoms. It was just, it went that quickly. Um, so the, 
the prognosis was great. There's a 95% five-year survival rate for the type of tonsil cancer that I had, which was fantastic. But uh, the unfortunate side of it is that the treatment for it is particularly brutal. It's very fast, uh, which sounds awesome. Oh, wow, you get this over really, really quickly. But the way that they do it is particularly intense. So uh, for seven weeks, it's daily radiation treatments and then three full-day chemotherapy treatments. Um, and it was, uh, it was definitely the toughest physical, emotional, mental thing I've ever gone through. Um, and, you know, what, dealing with the side effects now is, is pretty intense also, but it's nothing compared to just going through that process of... Um, the just the intensity of the treatment and unfortunately for me they put you on these um, stages of pain pain medication so you get this pain medication and eventually they put it on a nifty little patch on your back some nice pleasant opioids that they keep you from being in complete and utter pain and um they they put you on four even installments so you, you go from you know you're at zero to 50 percent 75 percent and hundred percent. And um, I got up to 50%, tried the 75% when I was supposed to, and uh, it made me violently ill. So I was stuck at the 50% point in terms of pain medication throughout the remainder of um, radiation and chemo, which it builds upon itself. So it's worse. Uh, you know, session 25 is exponentially worse than session two. So, wow. um, the thing I will say, and you know, that I talk to people about how cancer and CrossFit are, to me are connected in my mind is that ability to push myself through discomfort. I wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm never in pain when I'm working out, but I am uncomfortable a lot in my workouts. And being able to push through that, I think, gave, gave, gave me a mental edge that I might not have had um, to kind of make it through that point, which is, you know, you're still dealing with trauma after the fact, but I think it would have been a lot worse. Um, I probably would have had to have been hospitalized had I not been able to mentally just get through um, the pain of the ordeal, I guess, is kind of my connection to it. Do you feel like the exercise you'd been doing had any help in your recovery or aside from the mental aspect, do you think like the physical aspect of it helped you at all? Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And they told me all through the entire thing that I was going, there was a good side and there was a bad side. So the good side was recovery. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I was just stronger physically. So being strong. And in fact, at that point in my life, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was the healthiest <laughs> other than cancer that I'd ever been in my entire life. Um, I ate well, I exercised all of that. It was, I was on point uh, when I got sick with cancer, which is, is kind of the, the comedic aspect of it. But the doctors told me that it would be I would be stronger. I would recover faster um, because I was young, because I was healthy. All of those things were great, but the treatment was also going to treat me much worse, which is kind of interesting to me. So my, my father, for example, had the exact same chemotherapy drug that I had and didn't make him sick at all. And for me, uh, and that's what doctors kept saying, yeah, people who are really healthy for some reason, poisoning their bodies, uh, <laughs> they react to <laughs> much it. bigger impact. 
that if I had been, you know, a, a, a 75 year old person that had smoked for years and years and years, um, wouldn't be impacted necessarily the same way, which I thought was ironic and horrible, but, um, but that's the truth of it. But as far as recovery goes, my recovery was, uh, astounding. Uh, and, and that's another thing that the doctors were saying all through it. Okay. I'm, I'm running already uh, a few weeks after my final, um, chemo treatment and put it in a perspective when I ended chemo and radiation, I could barely stand. I, you know, I would have to lean on Chuck when I'd go to the doctor's office. I couldn't sit upright in the appointment room. Uh, I was that weak. Um, I've lost, of course, a ton of weight. I couldn't eat, couldn't drink. You know, my throat swollen, my tongue swollen. Uh, since that's where the radiation is going, it's all going in my throat. So just the process of eating was, um, was uh, just a mind-blowing task, and you don't want to eat anyway. So you're incredibly, incredibly weak. But I bounced back from that um, incredibly quickly. And I know that that has to do a lot with already being in shape. Um, and I had two things that happened during treatment that I think help. One thing is that they recommend for people to get a, a feeding tube when they go through uh, the process. So before you do it, uh, because you're getting radiation in your throat, it's going to burn. You're not going to be able to eat or swallow. However, if you don't eat or swallow during this uh, during treatment, you could actually lose the ability, those muscles will stop functioning and you either have to go through physical therapy to get the function back or, um, or you just lose the ability completely. And, um, my radiation oncologist who is a young mother also, she's like, if I were you, I would, didn't, I wouldn't let them do the stomach tube. She's like, it's up to you. But, uh, if you are, strong enough to be able to force yourself to eat and drink and keep those muscles going. She's like, that's a better plan. And uh, she let me know that the recovery would be more on in my hands. I'm not waiting for somebody to do the surgical procedure to remove the stomach tube. It's, you know, once I'm done with chemo and radiation, I can be on my own. And um, that independence was incredibly important to me. So I, I did not get a stomach tube. And that was the right decision for me. And I'm really, really glad I did that. Um, and then the other thing is I had one radiation oncologist when I was weak, barely moving, not eating, come up to me and she sat down and talked to me for a while. And she's like, you need to do one thing. You need to go out every single day and go for a walk. And I remember being so just, it was a visceral response where I was just hating her. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? Are you trying to kill me? You're trying to kill me. You're trying. I can barely, you know, stand in this room and you're telling me to go for a walk every day. Um, and that advice as much as I hated it, I tried to follow it as much as I could because otherwise I was laying in my bedroom, um, not able to be around my family, just, laying down. Um, and the first time that I went out for a walk, my dad was staying with me and he, he wouldn't leave me to, to go on the walk on my own. He was terrified that I was going to fall or something like that. So he's, he's with me and I probably, gosh, I may have made it 10 steps before I puked on the sidewalk and then had to turn around and go back. Um, but then I went and did it the next day and, and kept doing it. And I think just those little walks I couldn't go far and it just made me ill as I'll get out. I think it did make a difference and nothing else for changing the scenery, but certainly just keeping that mindset that I'm capable of walking. And I think that made a big difference. So that's obviously what you were referring to with 
you know, how your idea of health is, <laughs> is maybe different than someone else's. Yeah, um, I think that's true. How has that affected how you kind of moved forward after that? So I, the thing that I've, I've always told my kids, so cancer runs in our family. It is rampant on my dad's side of the family. And um, so I've kind of always approached it with the idea that even before I got cancer, when they told me I had cancer, there was no shock, no anger, nothing like, none of those emotions were there because I'm like, okay, it's time. Um, I thought I'd get a few more years in it, but I knew in my mind, for me, it's not a morbid thought. It just, this is probably going to happen to me. So I need to be prepared for it. And it's kind of a preparation. Health is a preparation thing. We're all going to face some sort of cataclysmic health event in our lifetimes. It's going to happen at some point in time. And it could be something that, um, you know, I say cataclysmic, it's cataclysmic to you. You're going to get the flu really bad and it's going to knock you on your butt and you're not going to be able to move for a while, or you're going to blow out a knee. And how do you deal with that? How do you handle um, something that takes you down out of your ordinary and normal? And for me, um, especially after having had cancer, the chances of me getting it again are higher. So even higher than before, I, I may get it again, hopefully not until I'm you know, 80, but it might happen again. And if it does, am I still going to be strong enough? And um, I, are, are you know, my organs going to be, am I going to have enough nutrients to, um, to support a healthy recovery afterward, to get me through it and support it? Now that I've been through it, I know what it takes to get through some pretty horrible treatment. Um, that strength is so important. Um, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen it firsthand also with my dad who also worked out beforehand and, um, really focused on his health beforehand and does so now. Um, one of his first questions after he had surgery, when he was, uh, was going through his cancer experience was, am I going to be able to scuba dive again? That was one of the first questions coming out of surgery. And it was, and my husband and I weren't sure he had, he had just lost his bladder. So my husband and I weren't sure we're like looking up online, you know, can you scuba dive without this? Um, and trying to figure all that out for him. And he has gone scuba diving since then. So it's, it's great that, but that's it. He had to get back in the pool. He had to swim. He had to build those muscles back up. Um, same thing with me. I've got to, um, I've got to stay at a certain place health wise so that if it does happen again, I'm still, you know, still got an eight-year-old. Am I still going to be there for my kids? And, um, and in the meantime, I like to play. I like to go out and if they're going in the ocean, I want to be out there paddleboarding with them or doing whatever they're doing. I like to jump in the pool with them. I like to go on hikes with them. I like to be a physical person. And so that's another thing that health means for me is that I'm not sitting on the sidelines, um, in my own life. I don't want to be sitting on a, in a chair watching everybody um, do things. I want to be doing that for a very, very long time. So you're not just a member. Uh, you're also a coach at Move. Yeah. So you coach our group classes. You coach personal training. Uh, you coach our team classes. Um, you're also our client success manager. So you yeah. have your, you know, hands and a lot of things at the gym. Right. What are some things that make you a good coach? I think that, uh, the first one is I'm relatable. I think, um, more than anything, if somebody 
one of my friends put it this way, if there's something that you've gone through, I've probably gone through it or at least <laughs> something similar that can, can probably help you through that issue. Um, so that relatability, I think, especially probably for, for most female members is, is helpful. Um, and I, you know, that I'm still doing this, even though, yes, I still have to deal with having a job and, and raising kids and right now homeschooling or whatever you want to call it that we're doing right now and trying to get in workouts, all of those, I think the relatability helps. And I'm just, I think the other piece of it is, um, I'm just enthusiastic about people achieving things. It excites me to help people on that path. So if I'm trying to teach somebody how to do double unders and they get one double under, I think I'm more excited than they are. I am just, <laughs> I'm over the moon for them. It's exciting. Um, and you know, those are, but at the same time, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty no nonsense about it too. And, and I think that that's, I don't know if that's refreshing or if that just pushes people in a different way, but, uh, you know, whine to somebody else. I've got four kids already whining at me. I don't want to hear anybody else whine. Um, just tell me if there's a real reason why you can't do something, let's talk about how to get you to where you can do it. Um, and, and get you to where you want to be versus talking about all the reasons why you can't be there. So I think that, yeah, I hope that those are the things. <laughs> it's it's not going to be my amazing technical expertise, although I work <laughs> on that and I try to get better all the time. But there's, you know, I think the relatability pieces, there's still things I can't do. I can't do a ring dip to save my life. Um, but I know what I need to do to get there. I need to practice it. And so it's not that there's some magical formula to it. It's just, I've been practicing on other things. And once I get those things down, then I'll get back to ring tips. But that's what I love about CrossFit is that there's always going to be something that's going to challenge me that I'm going to have to work on. Um, cause if there wasn't, I think I'd get bored pretty quickly. Why did you want to start coaching? Um, you know, I hadn't thought of it until Shana approached me about it and she asked me whether or not I'd be interested and it wasn't even anything that, that even occurred to me before then, um, just because I thought it was outside of the realm of possibilities that no one would want to listen to me as a coach. Uh, and, and so it's not something that I'd ever considered. But when she said it, I was like, you know what? I think that would be a lot of fun. And honestly, that's the way I approached it was I thought it would be a lot of fun to, uh, to go through that process of guiding people through classes and um, sharing my experiences and helping. And, and I was right. It's, I really enjoy it. When I'm in that classroom helping people, it is a lot of fun. Um, it's a, it's a very rewarding experience, even when, even in the chaos, you know, especially teen classes can be very chaotic sometimes. Um, and they are some of my favorite classes I've ever coached. Um, because their, their enthusiasm is just infectious as I'll get out. So it's, it's definitely a good thing to get to, to be a part of. Yeah. It takes a special kind of person, I think, to be a coach and particularly a, a group coach. You know, everybody has, every coach has a different personality. And if you try to act like another coach, you're probably not going to reach people in the same way as if, as if you're just flat out yourself, you know, yeah. I'm definitely authentic. I can't, you know, and I think part of that's just, I'm, I'm 44 now. I, uh, 
I can't be somebody that I'm not, and I don't even try anymore. This is this is um, who I am. But uh, you know, I try to bring the positive parts of that to the table when I coach. Um, so hopefully that comes through. Do you have any current goals? One goal is to get stronger in general. So over the past year, uh, I went through a lot of life changes, different jobs, went to school, did all of these things. Um, and it got me away from, you know, I was still working out throughout that, but I lost a lot of strength during that time. And, um, for whatever reason, I like being strong and I want to get back to that. And so I've been focusing on that, but I also have this thing. I love trail running and, uh, I did my first half marathon trail run not that long ago and just fell in love. And, um, endurance trail running is something that I'd really like to do more of if for no other reason than just to be out on the trails. And that's a, that's a very peaceful, wonderful place for me to be. Um, and right now, you know, right now my goal is to think about right now. And I know that that sounds silly, but with everything that's going on and being in lockdown and all of that, I want to make sure that I've, I've kind of got a gift right now. And, um, I don't want to, to waste it. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to do anything magical. I'm not learning new languages or anything like that. It's really about focusing on my kids. I've got this great gift of them being around all the time. And it almost gives me another opportunity, especially with, I've got three teenagers in the house. So um, some days, if you get more than a high mom on days where they have school and practice and all of that, it's, it's a magical thing. So being able to, to get to know them on a different level that I wouldn't normally get to do, it's, it's, pretty awesome. Um, and so that's kind of my goal right now is to just enjoy the moment. I know that that sounds so trite, but it's very, very true. And everything else is just going to fall into place. Yeah. I think people, at least if you're, if they're listening to this now, they can appreciate that. Uh, cause we're all kind of in the same boat of, yeah. we're all in the middle of this crisis and it can be hard to wrap our heads around. So being able to simplify things is probably a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got anything else you'd like to add to the conversation or tell anybody who's listening or leave us off with? So one thing I, I, I think is important, we talked about health a lot. I think that it is difficult for women often to get into um, something like CrossFit because of our preconceived notions of lifting weights. So I've had people start CrossFit and then quit and let me know that they did it because they didn't want to get bulky. For example, you hear that a lot. I don't want to get bulky. Um, and there's a part of me that's just, you know, and I tell them, I was like, do you know that women who are truly very muscular, how long and how hard they had to work? That's intentional. They have to really try. I've been trying to get biceps for years. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just not willing to put in that level of effort. That's a lot of work. Um, they're really working hard. You're not going to come into CrossFit for three months and end up with, you know, Hulk arms. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to make that adjustment to people. And, and it's also hard when we're barraged with images of, of super skinny folks and that that's the idea of, of what we need to look at. And so now that I've got daughters who are teenagers, trying to get them to understand that importance of, of health 
and um, taking advantage of what your body can do. And I love seeing teen girls, for example, in the teen class for that reason, because I think that they're developing this knowledge about what their bodies can do versus what their bodies look like. And I think that's been the, one of the biggest mental changes for me since I started CrossFit was this focus on um, what my body is capable of uh, versus and, and how fitness can help you achieve that versus fitness just being a conduit for getting skinnier. And, um, and I think that I've been able to, to kind of impart that on my daughters, especially my, my 14 year old went out in the garage and was working out with weights the other day uh, on her own. She won't listen to any of the programming I do. She's got to go do it on her <laughs> own, but, but still <laughs> she was doing it, which is fantastic, um, to be able to go out there and, and, and make it happen. And she said that she didn't want to, since we're not doing the teen classes right now, she doesn't want to lose her strength. And the fact that she talked about it in that way and not that, you know, I don't want to get fat sitting around. She's not, that's not where her mind is. She's like, yeah, I don't want to get week just sitting around all the time okay let's do that um so i think that that's i think that's something that i wish that i could share with more women and and how important it is for their for their teenagers i think that they get into something that enables them to really experience some sort of physicality that's beyond you know just the simple abs of steel sorts of things um a video program, something that helps them recognize their own strength. I appreciate you bringing that up because it's something that the gym was founded on with Shana. Yeah. My perspective is not quite the same being a male and yeah. living the life that I live. So I appreciate that you still have that perspective and it's something that you can share as a coach and as yeah. a member of the community. So that's it. Well, thanks for coming on. And, um, Hopefully, we'll get to actually see each other in person sometime I soon. I know. I miss the gym. <laughs> I miss everybody. I miss my people. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you.